This is the intro song for my asshole brain. <laughs> Alright, so this is My Asshole Brain episode 18. And we are going to be talking about shame. Shame. For shame. What was interesting is so the last episode we did was called Toxic Positivity. And while I was, or was about toxic positivity, I don't know if that's what we're going to call it yet or not. I guess we'll find out. If I can come up with something more clever, or you can, then I guess. But um, when I was reading about shame, there were some sources that distinguished between what they consider to be healthy shame. And in my notes, I went from having just healthy shame to putting quotation marks around healthy because as I did more reading, I saw more arguments that there's no level of healthy shame. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I think that's a thing. Yeah, well, it's the, the idea that if you have shame, that it basically teaches you to behave better. That, I like, was going to say, yeah, are we using that for behavior purposes? Because yes. shaming people into good behavior, not yeah, well, that's, and that's something that we'll get into because there's somebody else who makes the distinction between guilt and shame and that, that shame is never good. You, you should be concerned about people who are guiltless more so than people who are shameless. Because I kind of think of those two, like when I was going through it, I was like, I always kind of consider guilt to be an external thing and shame to be an internal thing. Yeah, and that's actually kind of what they talk about, the difference between the two. But when they were talking about the, the the types of shame, there was the healthy one, like I said, but then the other one was also labeled as toxic shame. So I feel like the word toxic, toxic is Toxic positivity, gonna... toxic shame. Yeah. Um, toxic by Britney Spears. <laughs> that, was, that song actually was popping up into my head as I was saying <laughs> So we will cover what they consider to be healthy versus to- toxic. My, I at first thought that shame is necessary for learning and and socialization but as I began to read more and see how they distinguish between guilt and shame which I will also talk about how what can happen with shaming versus guilt and I'm not entirely convinced there's any such thing as healthy shame to be honest since we kind of like to talk about what's happening in your brains when you're feeling certain things Shame actually creates a stress response in humans. And so the website where I found this information was this group out of, I think it was like Australia, called the Energetics Institute. And I was really trying to figure out if it was legit or not because some of the... It doesn't sound legit. Right. And some of the language that they used felt a little kind of like maybe possibly new agey or... Well, they're Australians though. They're all right. kind of weird. But I think it... I mean they Marrying did... Marrying kangaroos and... I don't... I don't know if <laughs> Anyway. Koalas with chlamydia. They did talk about though about cognitive behavioral therapy and therapy but then also have other stuff that makes it... So I think they're pretty legit but... Anyway, they have this very sciencey sounding explanation of what happens. And one thing I did see a lot was that shame is often something that comes about when we're children. And it's usually something that we first experience with parents or whoever is disciplining us or uh, socializing us. And so it's something that we tend to experience at a very early age. And they talked about how it induces production of stress hormones and they have big fancy names. 
But, uh, and they talk about cortisol and blah, 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 which, you know, if you ever remember those commercials where they talk about if you want to lose belly fat, that it's yeah, created by cortisol, yeah, you so you take these pills. Cortisol. Right. Yeah. Um, so we know that that's associated with stress. But what they said is that the overall effect is believed to inhibit the will and also to cloud thinking such that a shamed person then starts to additionally feel defective since that person now feels sluggish in their body and mind from the hypoarousal effect. So hypo, again, hyper means over or more so, but hypo would be like a lower than or under, yeah. yeah. A form of mild depression may also result from the shaming process due to, ne- to the negativity associated with the ongoing dynamics of the creation and then result of toxic shame. So they still call it toxic so that that still implies that there's types of shame that aren't toxic. Yeah. I don't know how I feel That's about that. That's a big, like, talking about when they do questionnaires and stuff like your doctor's office, they have a, uh, it's basically a psych questionnaire. I don't know what the official name is because I'm not a fucking psychiatrist. But it asks questions like, in the last two weeks, have you had this, blah, blah, blah. And shame and is a big one that they ask yeah. about, like, have you felt. And it doesn't say it in the sense of, like, anything like an outside force, but, like, do you feel shame? Do you feel guilt? So right. So that's, you know, a thing that is tied pretty heavily toward to mental health. mental health issues. Well, one of them, and um, also Steve is here. He hasn't said anything yet because I haven't let him, but... Because <laughs> he's sitting in a corner like a creep. Yeah. He should be ashamed. <laughs> he's in the shame chair. She can say that all she wants to, but that is toxic shaming because she's trying to impose shame on me when I... As if I did something wrong. Exactly. That's exactly guilt, what I was going for. Thank which you. Which guilt and shame, you were alluding to two different things, which I think is more correct. Well, I was about to get to that. Are you going to run all over what I was about to do? Well, I wouldn't want to feel guilty for stealing your thunder, so please, go ahead. Well, the reason... well, I'm ashamed of this conversation. You're embarrassed by our juvenile (laughs) bickering. Well, actually, so one of the things that... When I first talked about this with Steve, he said, actually, I think that'd be really interesting to discuss because the thing that I asked you to kind of put your two cents in about was in terms of... um, Like the military sometimes is... at least specifically, the Navy, from your experience, will use, like, public shaming to discipline people. And so when I had first talked to them, him about this, and he had relayed some experiences, not necessarily personal experience where he, were public, he was public shamed, but while he was in the military, but also even when you were in other countries and they were doing, like, public punishments and stuff. So a lot of what I'm assuming Steve's going to talk about, because I haven't looked at his notes, is, is kind of involved with the punishment side of it and use in punishment. Is that what you did? Or did you do something else? No, it, it runs <laughs> down the same line. Yeah. Okay, so, but since we have been talking about guilt, there was, in pretty much everything I looked at, an, an effort to distinguish the difference between guilt and shame because they are not the same. Um, and it used to be that shame, kind of like what you said, um, Stephanie, but sort of like the the opposite, like shame is public and guilt is private, meaning that shame is something you do, like you others do to you to make you feel bad about what something you did, whereas guilt is actually something that you could feel on your own. So you don't, shame is something that others might impose on you or you feel bad because you feel like others would think badly of you, whereas guilt is, is more internal. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, now though they say that belief is that shame is directed inwardly at the self 
and guilt is directed directed outwardly at one's behaviors or actions. So typically when you feel shame, it's almost like an assessment of who you are as a person. So it's, it is um, not like I did a bad thing, it is I am a bad person. Right. And that, and because of that, because it can come down to kind of how you define the quality of who you are as a person, seeing that definition, that's why I can say, well, then I'm not sure shame is a good thing because we need to be able to distinguish yeah. our actions from who we are as people. Yeah, because shame very much comes off as a, like you said, that it's a, a personality characteristic. Not, you know. Not actually, but that's when you when you have shame and you feel that way. You've you're using it to define yourself and your yes, behavior. not just what you did. Yeah, and the and the thing is, what they've and, also and I mean with public shaming, that's yeah. kind of the goal. Is oh, them shaming you that like you're a piece of shit. Yeah, and everyone needs to think that. So yeah. we need to mark you, and that's of course you know we and we can get to this at some point, I'm sure. But like when you use things that are meant to permanently mark someone, it's so that every else everyone else can be aware of your. What you've done wrong and, and can share on share in punishing right. you, like Hester Prynne in the Scarlet Letter, right? By Nathaniel Hawthorne. But the um, the thing is that they found that shame is genuinely is generally maladaptive and guilt adaptive, meaning that both make you feel bad, but when you feel guilt, you're more likely to try to fix the damage caused by your actions where with shame you tend to avoid it. So if your goal, if you're someone who's dealing with a person who's done something bad, if your goal is to just make them feel shitty, then you would try to shame them. If your goal is to try to get them to behave better, then you would hope that they feel guilt rather than shame because you want them to recognize they did something bad and to try to fix it. So shame from what it looks like is not a particularly productive emotion at all where guilt can be and oh the tangent we could go on about the public corrections system and institute talking about guilt and shame and how they use those well i like the uh what i when i some of the things i found out digging back into uh reading a paper written by a history professor from george mason university he was talking about um in the greek language there's only one word there is no word for guilt and a different word for shame. There's only one word, and it it's taken uh, evolution or, or a lot of a lot of time for people to, in some cultures, to distinguish between the two. Although today it's not necessarily divided everywhere, because um, in Lithuania there's still only one word. So not all countries have come around to that. But he went on to talk about that. Also demonstrates that language is very representative of culture. And right. so if they don't have, it's like, you know, that thing where they talk about how the Inuits have a hundred words for snow, because that's what's important to them. So the fact that they don't distinguish between guilt and shame shows that, that they're thinking about it is that they're the same thing and they don't distinguish Yeah, there is the no difference to their cultures. Right. The other part he came up with on, um, historically on, or anthropological side, a lot of cultures, especially uh, if you look at some of the Middle Eastern or uh, far west cultures that are more family bound close society farming villages uh, where families raised together and lived together for a long period of time in that tight-knit culture shame is more predominant as the social glue 
where when you get into societies like we have, I'm sorry, when I said far west, I meant far east. Um, in the far in the Western society, like well, the I United mean, the States, the world is a circle. So I know that's so what I was trying to think. I was like thinking, like, even well, if you go east, you're going to yeah. end up in the west, right? Yeah. But uh, in <laughs> it's the United, like Russia is next to Alaska. In the United States and Europe, where we have more progressive societies, where people tend to live alone more, make their own decisions more. I'd be careful with the word progressive there. Uh, well, okay. I'm, I'm, us, I'm using it loosely as in comparison. You know, we, we decide where we're going to live. We go to we decide whether we go to college or not. We, we decide, you know, for ourselves what job we're going to do. We take what job we can get if we want to. But we make our more independent decisions. Our societies tend to so we're more, more indi- guilt-dominated. So we're more individualistic. We're, we're individualistic we don't have and the, they're communal. Right. Since we don't have that close-knit society, shame isn't as predominant. Although... Then there's another society called fear society. Let's see, guilt society is an expectation of punishment. Shame societies, the problem is the threat of ostracization, ostracism, sorry. And then fear societies, which is about physical dominance and intimidation. You can also argue there's a lot of difference in the legality, like how they look at those things as far as what is crime, what is illegal and everything, the difference between guilt and shame. Things that are considered shames in certain countries, for lack of a better example, you know, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries where women are shamed for things like being raped because it's a smear on their family. And you have things like honor killings. Right. So, you know, those things are related to shame, whereas like in our culture and certain other Western cultures, those are guilt things because those are crimes. So you also have that differentiation. Nobody can see me waving my hands around, but I am. <laughs> that's, the, that's the perfect example that uh, Amanda was bringing up about some of my experiences. In Middle Eastern countries, if that situation where, uh, where something happened, uh, a thief is caught, or a woman is accused of adultery, and I don't know how they do the courts to prove it, but um, they... Court? They don't need to the religious courts. <laughs> um, if they decide they're going to drag them out into the street and cut off their hand or execute them, if by any chance there are any American service members or any Westerners around, they will find them and drag them up to the front and put them in front of all the rest of the crowd so that the family standing there about to watch their family member will have their hand cut off or be executed, beheaded. The, these Westerners, these infidels, these non they are going to see this and it brings more shame on the family. So everybody else in the crowd realizes, I really don't want this to happen because I don't want my family. So I wouldn't want to be the cause of that. The idea is that it acts as a deterrent. Yeah. And so when I first started talking about this, I thought, well, shame is necessary for socialization, right? Like you need to understand when you do bad things that are harmful to other people, you need to feel bad about that so you don't do it again. So to a certain degree, I'm like, well, we need to feel shame in order to correct our behavior. And I can say that when I have felt genuine shame, it is the worst. I will do anything to avoid shame. Like, I'm okay. I can feel guilt. I can be okay with guilt. I don't love it, but I can live with it. But shame is terrible because it's like guilt and embarrassment. Wasn't it like that parent thing, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed? Yes. And and then it's got like some bit of like anger at yourself mixed in and like disgust. Like there's a sense of disgust. It's like like, I'm not even even mad at what you've done. I'm just disappointed in your behavior. And that shame that I, like for me, it is such an intense emotion that I will do anything that I can to avoid it. So there have been moments where I have been ashamed of my behavior and it has created huge 
eye-opening revelations for me that have kept me in line. So like it, times when I've done stuff that I'm really ashamed of, when I've been tempted to behave that way again, there's that one little voice that I'll be like, hey, you remember when you did this thing and you felt really ashamed? You want to feel that way again? No, you don't. So you better not act this way. So it has actually kept me in line. So I thought, well, it's a good thing. So the places that talk about it being necessary, that it is um, something that is used to help people that they, when they call it healthy shame, it, they claim it doesn't cause permanent harm. They claim that it can help you learn lessons and evolve. And so that was kind of my thinking about it. Um, and I think uh, once one of the places I was reading talked about um, guilt focuses on acts. Shame focuses on character. But for, so for me though, like if I think the reason I've acted is because it depends on the action. Like, I'm going to make a, an assessment of my character if I behave badly enough. But that shame that I felt really came more so from me than from other people. And honestly, it's when I've done stuff that was out of my character. When I know that when I felt ashamed, it's because I did something that I knew was not in line with who I really think I should be. So I have felt guilty about things that hurt other people. I have felt ashamed when I have betrayed myself and my morals and who I believe I am. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I've gotten my head wrapped up too much in like a legal law enforcement type aspect of it. I feel like shame, like talking about like, you know, the public execution or like specifically like, you know, cutting someone's hand off because they stole something. I feel like shame is like a permanent mark. It is a constant like outside or public acknowledgement of the thing you've done wrong. And with something like having your hand cut off, like, that's not a thing you can rehab. Like, we basically said, like, obviously you've been marked for life. You're obviously a fucking thief because we took your hand off. Whereas guilt can be, you did a thing that you weren't supposed to do, and we're going to punish you, but we're also going to do it with the context that hopefully in the future you don't do that a thing and again. A, Whereas where you have your hand cut off, it's pretty much like, well, everybody knows what you are. Yeah. and This with, never changes. The idea is if, if you can make... If you can repent for doing something wrong and you just feel guilty, the idea is that eventually you'll be forgiven and you can move forward. The idea with like that kind of permanent shaming, there's never any forgiveness. There's never any evolution. There's never any yeah. moving past it. That's just who you yeah. you and are I mean, now. Literally, like with the, you know the hand right. cutting off thing, everybody knows that you are a criminal, and and, and no one's going to change their minds. And when we talk about shame being more internal, where the guilt comes from external factors, but the shame also. It requires an audience, whether that's private audience or a real or imagined external audience. You're some you, you feel shame because of a connection with someone. Guilt is over an act that you may or not have done. Well, the in in response to the idea that it's necessary, because one of the one of the first articles that was arguing that there's such a thing as healthy talks about that. You know, you still maintain healthy shame means you, your self-esteem is still intact. Um, and that you you will learn from it and you will evolve from it, but that you're not going to be permanently scarred. Which but, was actually close to embarrassment, because uh, uh, an article I read tried to point that one out to say, keep in mind that uh, embarrassment is a short-lived, less intense emotion, uh, that you violated some group norm or expectation. So um, you realize that, or someone points out, you left your fly open, and that's you know quickly resolved and quickly forgotten, 
and it's short. But you're not going to be blamed for because you didn't do it on purpose. But but you could. Did that, you? That's where. You, well, you, if your dick's hanging out and you're wagging it at people, then you should feel shame too, not just embarrassed. That's body shaming, though. <laughs> but that's kind of what of the difference. Like, oh, you know, I did something that's not socially acceptable, but that's not really shame because it, it it's it's a short, brief thing that quickly revolves and go away. And people well, that's because it doesn't, it, it doesn't it's involve shame. an assessment of who you are. It's just, ooh, I broke a rule and I. It, it becomes a shame when it, if it's a longer-lasting emotional state, uh, 48 hours, and can be revived with community pa- uh, pressure. Well, the, the counterpoint to that that I saw, and it was a very brief thing in Psychology Today from a guy named Dr. Stolaro, and it was in response to something he had seen where people were embracing the idea of shaming. And this is something that I see, and we can talk about this once I'm done with this, because I think this is something important. When parents use social media to shame their kids, I have a real problem with that. Um, but anyway, what he says, and it was his response to that kind of thing, like positive shaming, like this is something we're supposed to do to keep people in line. And again, you see it on social media all the time. But he said that he thinks that um, the idea that shame is essential for social awareness and socialization is one of the great destructive and largely unquestioned myths of our culture. It is socialization by coercion. Shame the child and break his or her will. The valorization of shame, and that was like I think the title of his article, in the name of social awareness and socialization is all too often a ra- rationalization for emotionally abusing young children. And he also argues that if someone... Uh, if you have shamed someone and they act repentant, that that's not true repentance. That right. repenting out of shame is inauthentic. To repent for being vulnerable, for example, is absurd. So, Because a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with kids, the reason that they mess up is because they just don't know better. They're not mature right. enough. They and, know they did something wrong in right. that they know you're upset with them. Right. They don't understand it past that. Right. So to shame them yeah. for that and to make them feel bad for not understanding or, like he says, for being vulnerable is, is, is wrong. And he says that we should be much more alarmed by people who are guiltless than by those who are shameless. Well, and that's the, uh, you know... Correcting your behavior because you feel shame, like as a child, is making me think of one of the, uh, what was it, one of the logic classes I took when I was at Wright State, and we had a discussion in there about the difference between right and wrong as far as with the religious basis, and it was, you know, and I think he used the example, one of the kids in the class left their iPod laying out on their book, like we all took a break and we came back and that kid had left it there, and he said there's a difference between someone not taking that because they don't want it to go on there, you know lifelong record when they step before God because it's wrong and they'll be sent to hell or they'll be, you know, punished. Whereas the person who doesn't take it because it doesn't belong to them and it's not theirs. It's unethical. Yeah, it's, you know, kind of that same thing. There's a difference between changing your behavior because you understand your behavior was incorrect and that you shouldn't do that thing and changing it because... Fear of getting caught. Yeah, because (laughs) you're in trouble or you know you're going to get, you know, an ass whooping. Well, that, okay, so this is something that I feel very strongly about, and this is a slightly off-topic thing, but because you brought that up. Making sure your children respect you for, uh, you know, with fear? Yeah, well, then they're not. You, You can't earn respect through fear. But my thing is that a lot of people don't believe that you can have morality without religion. However, if the only reason that you are good is because you expect reward at the end of life, or you are good because you fear punishment at the end, that's actually just psychological conditioning. That is not true morality. True morality and ethics is based on, as you said, doing something because 
you know it's right or not doing something because you feel that it is wrong not out of fear of punishment or hope for a reward that's how we train animals it's how we train our pets right. by using treats or punishment. It's literally how a lab in a maze or right. a rat in a maze works. Right. So if you think that the only way that people can behave decently is by scaring them into being good or promising them rewards, then you basically don't think that human beings are any yeah. better also, than, than other types yeah. of animals. Which means you basically have an entire society based on fucking psychopaths. It's all psychological conditioning. Yeah. That the only reason anybody ever does anything good is because they're hoping for a treat. And the only reason people don't do things that are bad is because they're afraid of getting in trouble. And there are people who will do bad things yeah. because it, oh, if they don't think they're going to get caught. But again, those people are not. That's, well, not, saying, mor- that's, that's not morality. And that also <laughs> kind of goes with the argument of people who truly believe things like the death penalty are deterrent. Yes. People because, won't murder yeah. people because they'll get in trouble. They'll, they'll be afraid of being murdered. And I so they don't do know it. a whole lot of people, I don't think, I hope, like personally, that legitimately haven't murdered someone just because they're like, oh, well, I don't want to go to prison. Like, I'm fairly certain the majority of the people I know that haven't murdered people, it's because they don't want to murder a person, not because they're like, oh, well, if I they get They couldn't caught, live with it. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the true thing. Like, okay, so ask yourself, you have the opportunity to do something that is illegal, but you have 100% assurance that you won't get caught. Do you still do it? It's something that is immoral. So I should specify that too. I shouldn't say, first I said illegal, but let's face it. There's some stuff that's illegal that I don't consider to be immoral. Right. Like smoking pot's illegal. Do I think smoking pot's immoral? No, I don't. <laughs> and let's be honest, there's some states where, you know, blow jobs and anal sex are oh, yeah. still illegal. So Right, yeah. sodomy. Yeah. yeah. Do, do I think it's immoral? Nah. So let's say you're presented something instead awesome. with that that is immoral. Right. And you're not going to get caught for it. Are you still going to do it? My answer is no because I can't keep a secret and I fucking tattle <laughs> on myself. <laughs> so you're going to get caught. Yeah, so. So there's no 100% guarantee. Yeah. Did you find, Steve, that in places that tend to use like public shaming as a means of punishment, or do, do you know if there's less crime? I don't think it's less crime. I think the the, the difference there um, in the societies that are that are shame based, and the Middle Eastern societies have different definitions of crime than we do too. In 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 the United States, I mean, there are people who will resist and do evade, do everything they can not to get caught. But if they get caught, then it's just deny, 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 deny. It's like they have a fallback after that. In those societies, they won't just try to evade, they will go to the nth degree to avoid shame. Which means it's not like I'm going to go to a certain point and then I'm just going to deny that I did anything. Well, you no, have... It's a question of they they will... they Once they've crossed that boundary and they, re- they may realize that, oh, that was horrible, I should not have done it. But I can't let anybody find out I did that. I'm going to... Uh-oh, it might come out. Well, they'll do something even more shameful that internally breaks their own moral compass in order to try to cover it up or prevent the discovery of it. To avoid being caught. Because they're more concerned with other people finding out than they are with their yes. own assessment of who they are. But well, then, and also in those cultures, a lot of the time, shame, you know, the determination of whether or not the thing they did was okay, it's not based on, you know, a court's decision. It's, you know... You did this thing, there is no denying it. You're not getting out of it. So, you know, your punishment is happening regardless of whether or not 
you could prove you did it or did not. Well, I mean, look at, like, honor killings. Right. You know, uh, but I'm not even We just... think she was being a whore. Right. So she may not have been breaking a law, but because she was doing something we consider immoral um, and she's embarrassed all of us, we're going to kill her, so we're not embarrassed anymore. But then even the ones where people, like in Japan, when people would commit seppuku, you know, the the honorable suicide to avoid shame. So they had already been shamed, and that was like their their penance, was to kill themselves. That's how their family regains. Yeah. And... uh, the idea, and again, it wasn't necessarily because of something that they had done that they felt bad about it. It was something that they had done that they felt would bring shame upon yeah. their entire family, and they couldn't bear the idea of that happening. And I, I honestly, I think that's an extreme thing. I do think with, you know, again, we were talking about communal versus individualistic societies. Sometimes I think that people should spend a little bit more time thinking about how their actions impact those around them. That, like, if you do something bad and it comes to light, that I know someone right now who her father did something illegal and awful, and she lives in a very small town, and even though she has done nothing wrong, she's afraid to even go to the grocery store because everybody knows what her father did. And it is so stressful for her to even leave her home. And that you see a lot in terms of the family members of people who've done bad things. They'll have to change their names sometimes or move because even though they didn't do anything, so there is still kind of a sense of shame and family honor. I just don't think people think about it. It's not in the forefront of individuals' minds. Well, I think that's where the kind of of one of the reasons why... uh, they talk about the need to differentiate shame from guilt uh, because he did something wrong and she's feeling shame and that shame it's like that wall needs to be broken down because here's the impact Uh, recent research says feelings of shame demoralize the individual and will over time generate aggression that's that's something that came up in one of the articles I looked at too so the author talked about how it was a contagious issue. Um, It'll produce a desire to lash out against unfair emotional pain, which, in other words, could end up generating bad behavior. And that's why she called it contagious. She said that um, when people are, are... bogged down with shame that that their desire is to shift it to someone else. And so they will do whatever they can to stop feeling contagious or sorry, to stop feeling the shame themselves, and so they'll spread it to somebody else, and in the turn, that person has the same thing. So she she said, I think it was a she who read that article, it's from Psychology Today, relocating one's own shame in another person is a typical self-protective maneuver among narcissists. So she says typically it's narcissists who react in this way, but I think you can see this even with people who deal with chronic shame who aren't necessarily narcissists, but it's such an unbearable emotion that they want to shift it, and so what they'll do is they will, uh, she says, needing to hide a devalued sense of self. Narcissists can appear self-inflating or entitled and provoke envy in people around them, but they can also then react in ways toward others that is, like you said, aggressive and even abusive, which is why shame is often found in victims of abuse, because a lot of times the person doing the abuse, and you see this, I think, with sexual abuse, the person doing the abusing is often someone who was abused themselves, but they have such a sense of they, they loathe themselves yeah. so much that the only way that they can 
relieve themselves of that shame is to kind of debase another human. Well, and that's where you find the things like with, um, you've seen it in some of the, like the human trafficking stuff and even in some of like the one-on-one things where there have been like couples that have kidnapped girls or boys and it's often been, so like the woman that's with the guy that's doing the, the bulk of the abuse, the sexual abuse, that woman ended up with him through that same thing, and then she's the one that goes out and finds new victims. Because then she doesn't because have to be the victim yeah, anymore. She doesn't have to be the victim, but she's also basically able to move that emotion and you know that internal shame yeah. onto a different person. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. I was also going to say, as far as the moving in on other people, you could also argue there's some self-preservation happening in that, and things like you know the high-profile things where you know there's a Brock Turner's popping in my mind, and someone's going to hear this and take it the wrong way, and I don't mean it this way. Yeah, he's definitely a, a <laughs> controversial yeah. figure, especially around here where people we know actually know him. It's exactly. a very personal topic. And that's what I was going to say. You know, there's a lot of, like, especially when all that first happened and he came back, you know, people were uh, picketing and stuff outside of family members' houses and stuff. You run into things like there that. There was a guy standing outside his home with a... An automatic rifle yes. strapped on his back. Well, and that's what I'm saying. You run into things like that where, you know, other family members take on some of the the guilt, even in that situation. Yeah. And you run into things where people get so used to kind of being hounded and followed that they strike out at people. And that's where you get things where family members end up getting arrested for assault and things because they have people that are constantly following them and harassing them and going after them places. And like I said, that one popped in my head because that's one that's local and, you know, right. we've heard a ton about. Yep. But you see that kind of thing in a lot of those situations where, you know, it ends up not only is the blame and the guilt shifted from the person who actually did it onto their immediate family members, and you can argue, you know, whether or not parents are largely responsible for the behavior. Right. And well, that's, that's, that's another argument. Yeah, in that situation. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, but then you get people that, you know, they get so used to being followed and hounded and, and you know, harassed that they lash out and end up committing a crime of their own yeah. because they're trying to get rid of these people that are constantly hassling them in their lives. But whether or not they feel genuine shame for what their family member did, I don't know. Right. I'm I mean, say, I, if my, if I you had, may not feel anything. Yeah. You may just be pissed off that people are fucking bothering you all the time. But because of the aggressive nature of the people who are trying to shame them, yeah. it again, it becomes con- contagious. Yeah. Especially if you don't think that you or your family member, either one, have any, you know, that any of this is fair. Yeah, you're liable to act aggressively toward the person that you feel is aggressing you and your family where you don't feel that you've done anything or your family's done anything wrong i'm not sure that i agree with the idea of public shaming there were times when i felt like actually i kind of feel like maybe it's necessary but here's the thing that happens the people i think that a lot of times the people that we focus on to shame they already kind of suffer the consequences of their actions through the law or whatever. So it's kind of like they're already being punished. It's not, we don't need to do it. Or it's situations where, and this is one of the things they talk about, is that, that sometimes when people are reacting to shame, that they go the other, the opposite end. So instead of feeling bad about themselves, they a tendency to start to overachieve and to externalize their self-esteem into gathering objects of wealth, status, and power as compensations for the underlying felt sense of being nothing or worthless. So they kind of go, they're like, well, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of who I am. 
So I'm going to acquire to like start to acquire things and become successful to make it look like I'm above shame because as we especially when you talk about wealth and power and status you can get enough money you become divorced from the consequences of your actions so they can gain a certain status where they no longer have to suffer the consequences of their actions and they genuinely believe that they are better than other people or they can also become righteous and judgmental and may drift into fundamentalist churches or cults where they are quote <laughs> saved or cleansed of their sins and so redeemed again and at that point they are so convinced that that again that they're better than everyone else so because that sense they've been forgiven by god you can't do anything exactly but as that was talking about before that guy said we should be more concerned about people who are guiltless than shameless there are a lot of times who will fucking double down like when you try to call somebody out on bad behavior instead of they're going them saying, you're right, I fucked up, I should fix that. They have a tendency to, like, embrace it. I know we don't see that very much in our country, especially from the leaders of our nation. You know, they're all really good at admitting that they're wrong. Yep. Um, that was sarcasm in case anyone mixed it. <laughs> but that, that idea that um, they refuse to feel shame, they refuse to feel guilty because they are justified in their actions and their right. beliefs, and they will just become more invested in their behaviors and their actions. Or how dare you? You're not without blame or fault for sure. Right. You're not perfect Just either. randomly like you Right. And, but that again, like they don't think they, they don't believe that they're guilty because they don't think they've done anything wrong and yeah. they just revel in it. So you can't even try Slock to shame them. room talk. I'm not doing Right. That. Everybody else is doing, oh, there's a whole lot of things like either everyone else is doing it or it's not that big of a deal yeah. or, you know, there's so many different things they'll do with all just. Boys will be boys. Oh, yeah. which is bullshit. Yeah. So here's a piece of tidbits from my my research that I want to give to you and see if you can draw any corollaries or offer any viewpoints on this. <sighs> Sounds like homework, Steve. No, no, just your thoughts. I just guess Steve thoughts. thinks like he needs to get us back on track. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Bullshit. Uh, so Mr. Stearns referenced uh, a Google Ingram search on every document and publication that had been logged into Google, and they looked for the word shame in written text. And since the mid-19th century, as far back as they could go with the documents they could research, the word shame and referencing shame has been on a continued gradual decrease up until the 1960s. He, Dr. Stearns, attributed the timing to account for the fact that in the 1960s, Judges ruled shame-appropriate punishments, like for drunk driving and petty theft. Having someone stand in front of the, a, a store with a, a, a sign saying, I shoplifted from this store. Or standing on a street corner saying, I'm a drunk driver and I got a ticket or you know, with a, any, something else going on. Notice that shortly thereafter, and, or, or around that time, partisan political camps started shaming opponents and even the liberals who might claim to be against such shaming in principle had followed suit. They, they both used the same weapon, whether... Why you gotta bring liberals in Fucking hypocritical. Uh, because the, the judges in the 60s that he were talking about ruling, the, the they were the conservative. I was joking. I was oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, and then, continuing to grow even more, social media has started in, especially with fat shaming, Accusations of sexual impropriety, hypocrisy, racism, uh, hounding the victims, many of which have become unemployed, 
because they had to leave their jobs, been forced to move, and they committed suicide fired? because of the shame of the, the what was posted on social media as it began to evolve. Well, here's the thing. Well, that can go toward perpetrators, too, and, like, the doxing and everything. Yeah. Where, you know, we, this person works here. Here's right. Their name. Yes. And that it, there are times when someone has lost their job for something they've said or done, and I feel like it was deserved. There are other times when people have lost jobs and been publicly shamed and doxed and harassed for simply expressing opinion that's unpopular. So I really think it depends on the nature of yeah. the statement. If you are someone who is representing an organization, I it's fucking written into it's not my contract of my letter of employment but in the handbook where it talks about like the expectations for me yeah. I'm considered a representative of my school even though I don't even have anything on my page about working for them like I don't have it listed where I work anymore but they still fucking tag me and stuff yeah. so I kind of feel like look I didn't say I worked for you but you people are tagging yeah. me that's not on me that's not my fault but I don't go on there. But if I say something that causes a great stir and controversy, in theory, if I got enough negative attention for expressing an opinion on my private social media yeah. that reflected poorly on the school simply because I work for them, even if I don't claim to be a representative of them, for, for them, I could get fired. I think that's kind of bullshit. However... I do think that we need to be fucking adults and recognize the fact that words have impact and yeah. your actions have consequences and that not every thought you have or action you do needs to be on social media. Like, it's okay to lead a private life. So you'll yeah. see stuff where people will, like, bitch about their jobs on social media, like on Twitter, and then get fired for it. Yeah. Don't fucking bitch about your job on social media where anybody can see. Like, have... Yeah recognize that what you do has repercussions. Right. Well, and that's, you know, been a big argument the last few years. I mean, it always has been, but especially with, you know, all the stuff that's happened in social media, that freedom of speech, and this is freedom of speech. Okay, there's freedom of speech as far as... The government uh, the can't government. arrest you for saying yeah. <laughs> bad Your things freedom about of speech does not absolve you from consequences. Right. If I were to get on my <laughs> Facebook page and bust out every single racial slur I could think of and talk about how they're lesser and blah, 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 blah. And somebody was like, hey, this person works for a county agency uh -huh. that helps people of all races, creeds, sexual orientations, all of that stuff. I'm sorry. I think it's reasonable that I would lose my job for that because yes. I'm literally saying these same people who I may be assisting in my job are pieces of shit. Yeah, that kind of comes off as maybe I'm not doing my job. You might right. be discriminatory, yeah. or treating people differently because yeah. of their race. So no, I don't expect Dayton PD to show up at my door and arrest me for saying right, it. Right, because but I don't think it's unreasonable that I, as a public county employee, should lose my fucking job for saying that yes. shit. You know, no, I'm not going to get criminal prosecution. Right. But I'm going to have consequences to the things that spewed out of my face. And people, that's how shit works. Yes, and people want to have consequence-free speech. And that's just not how it works. Yeah. If you say something terrible to somebody you're and it hurts their feelings, they have a right to call you on that. And that's yeah. so, like, a lot of this, you hear a lot about shaming. And sometimes I kind of roll my eyes out of it because I'm sort of tired of hearing the word. But at the same time, you hear a lot about, like, 
body positivity versus fat shaming or you hear like a lot of mommy shaming i know that you know celebrities will post pictures of their kids something very innocent and innocuous and then they'll get bombarded because of some small thing that yeah. others moms what the f- ladies come on like there you're supposed thing, to support each other there but was like, a thing recently that was about it was a picture of uh, megan markle from England. Yeah, the princess. Yes, the princess. She is now holding the baby, the newborn, and people lost their fucking shit because she, she's holding him. I have to admit, I saw the picture and I was like, that looks like a bizarre way to hold a baby. Sometimes you gotta hold him in weird positions to get him to stop crying. Literally, that was my first thought. <laughs> Babies are fucking weird, and yes. sometimes the way you have to hold them to calm them down makes no fucking sense. I had to hold him like a football for a while. Well, and so the way she's holding him, people are like, you know, oh, it doesn't support his neck. It doesn't do this. Oh, no. And they actually, someone said that a pediatrician like a well-known one had come out and said that that actually was a fairly commonly told you know thing to parents to hold children it actually worked for certain things and i was like yeah what works for one baby doesn't work for other babies so just because the 150 kids you know only like being held one way doesn't mean her fucking weird little kid doesn't like being held in a way that looks uncomfortable was she dangling it by its foot well that's the thing and i was like the child was obviously (laughs) like the child wasn't blue right no limbs were falling off and it's just like literally like you but don't the, have to yell at every person on the internet just because you, you have nothing better to do. You do to prove you're better than them. Right. <laughs> but, it, but it stems from this weird myth that my experience, my truth, is greater than your idea. Yes. Right. Well, and also, you know, if you're doing that thing that way and that works, does that mean that the thing that I did wasn't right or didn't work? Right. So, yeah, it's a defensive mechanism. I'm yeah. like, so, so, oh, what I did was wrong? Oh, my God, I yeah. should be shamed? No, I'm just going to attack you. So that Yeah, and I'm not a parent, wrong. and even I know in that kind of situation, unless you're outright beating the living shit out of your children, there is no logical way to parent at all. Kids are fucking strange, and nothing makes sense. And, he, and it's all experiment, and it's all, yeah. like, each of them is different. Well, tried that thing, didn't work. Yeah. What's next? So, I, I like, the whole mom-shaming thing is ridiculous. Yeah. and it, That one's exhausting. I, I, don't, I don't understand what it is about moms. Like, we are not very good at sporting. I've never been part of a mom group in large part of this, because I hear, but I hear ridiculous stories about mom groups and the shit that these women say to each other, and it's just the most absurd stuff that I don't understand, like, why these people aren't trying to be more supportive instead of just criticizing each other. Yeah. It's not a fucking competition. We're all fucked up. Right. But the other... Well, that's when um, the one Facebook group that we were a part of, I remember when that Ugh. first started, several people talked about one specific mom group that they'd all been on yes. on Facebook, and a whole bunch of them had left it because it was a goddamn nightmare. Yes. And I'm like, this is literally a group that people made for other parents to talk to each to other. support each and other. And help out with stuff, and you're saying it was horrible and a god-awful experience because people attacked other people, and I'm like... That's the shit the that fuck? that's the shit too that feeds into that gender stereotype that women can't be supportive and can't be friends. Yeah. Stop doing that, women. Yeah. Like just start fucking getting along and supporting each other and stop tearing each other well, down and being so fucking catty and shit. Such shady. a fucking we make everything into a competition Ugh. and this constant need for women to show that they're doing the right thing or that they're successful and okay. It's, be- it's because we of tear guilt. everything we have to tear everyone down. It's guilt. It's all guilt yeah. because or shame. Or shame it's guilt that turns into an effort to shame others so we feel less about ourselves because what it all comes down to is you have stay-at-home moms feel guilty 
Uh, or yeah. because people like try to shame them for like not working real jobs, and then people who I work stay home all sometimes the time and not do anything, right? And then people who work are shamed for not actually raising their own kids, yeah. and it's this whole bullshit thing where we just sit around judging each other and deciding that our choices are right and other people's are wrong. And yeah, how thing- about all options suck? Or how about we celebrate the fact that we have fucking choices and recognize that each of us is different and needs to do different things, and that's okay. And that shit drives me crazy. And so that kind of shaming infuriates me because it's... Something you just said makes me, you know, kind of... So maybe guilt and shame aren't two different forms. Maybe one comes out of the other. I think so. I think that that... I think they're very closely tied. But then the flip side of that, I get real tired when somebody expresses an opinion and people are like, oh, you're shaming. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. not. Like, this whole idea, like, you need to stop shaming. Like, you need to, it, anything that you can come up with, like, like it's a, a certain type of shaming. Like, so if I were to say, I don't know, I don't really like uh, comic book movies as much as other types of people, like, well, why are you comic book shaming? Why are you If I ever hear shaming? someone say comic book shaming, I'm gonna fucking quit. Why are you like, no, I'm gonna quit the planet. Superhero shaming. It's like, I'm not. So, me saying I don't like the same thing you do does not mean I'm shaming you. Yeah. Like, you need to not base your self esteem on other people's opinions. I can like different things, and right. I can just. And then the other thing, too, and that even comes up with body shaming. I don't think that we should feel we have the right to comment on other people's appearances. I do think it's bullshit that people are like, oh, we can't have overweight people because they're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. That's a whole other thing we can talk about too. Right. I understand the idea of not embracing like morbid obesity as a healthy lifestyle, but the people who use that as an excuse to talk about how they don't like how fat people look are really just there. It's a justification for the fact that they just don't think it looks. Well, I say here's my thing. So you can have a different like you can have you can have preferences. Yes. So here's my thing. I see posts on Facebook. I follow a bunch of like models and stuff on Instagram because I'm a pervert, also because they're pretty, but. You'll see things like where one has like armpit hair, mm-hmm. and you would hundreds of comments of people about, oh, she's so hot, but that's repulsive, or oh, this. Here's the thing: you can have preferences, and yes. that not be your preference. You don't need to say anything. Yes, you don't have to Problem be nasty solved. about it. You can either just <laughs> never look at those pictures again and unfollow, or you can be like, huh, yeah, that picture doesn't do anything for me because I can see your hairy armpits, and I'm not down with it. Right. Maybe so- the next picture won't show them, and I'll be down with it. That response I would consider to be shaming. Like, you're just, you're disgusting because you have body hair. Yeah, like, the thing is, is, like, you can be, like, that's not my preference. That person probably doesn't give a flying fuck what your preference is. So you can just move on without saying anything. The minute you say something, you can have an opinion that you don't voice. On the internet? (laughs) I know. Like, that's the thing. You can see it and keep scrolling. You don't have to because the difference between you having a preference and in your head going, not my thing, and you going... Type, 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 type. Ew, that's not my thing, but you're still kind of hot. You automatically just turned into sort of a body shamer and kind of a hardcore douchebag. Right. You just, so I, I, yes, so that I agree. But then again, the flip side, you'll have people who are like, if, if, if I were to say, eh, I'm not a big fan of uh, bikinis. I prefer one pieces. Why are you shaming that person? Why are you bikini shaming? shaming. Right? So that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, all right, now this is, it. we've jumped on the shaming bandwagon and her bad wingin, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we you have know. done that. And so now we're going to say that anytime anybody has an opinion that opposes mine, that they're shaming me. That's kind of how everything <laughs> that we do, though, is it's like there was politically correctness and then everybody went the wrong way with how it meant. Or like <laughs> people like with the trigger warning thing and everybody kind of decided, like, you said a word I didn't like. And so it's tr- like it we, turned take, into we us- take things that are legitimate things yes. and then just go Warp fucking ape shit. We blow it. it to such yeah. an extreme that it becomes warped and counterproductive. Yeah, and then it becomes a joke. So, like that whole thing where we like balance, like moderation. Right. In moderation and balance, yes, some of these things make sense. But Ladies and gentlemen, this will be our last podcast as we figured <laughs> out that all discussions come down to please, for the love of God, balance and moderation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. We've solved Thank all you, the world's world. problems. You'll see us at the UN next week. <laughs> And send us money. As we're brought up on church. We'll be, well, yeah. We'll be in the corner hiding and then running from security because how the fuck did we get in? Anyway. Well, I like the one strategy that uh, was talked about they, when they tried to separate how you deal with and something that happens. So I'm get, I'm doing this. I'm getting us back on topic. I don't know. Um, uh, I feel like we, we already you know, read through the topic. You're podcast shaming us. <laughs> so you're saying that because we have a tendency to go on tangents, that that we're not on topic. You're tangent shaming. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rant shaming. <laughs> well, Stephanie said something that brought something to my mind when she talked about how Suck you know up. guilt and shame <laughs> come from the same. Or it could be the same. And you wanted to circle back to it. I yeah, I, I put a pin in that mentally, and I, now I'm coming back to it. Okay. Um, one of the articles talked about, you know, the recommendation from child psychologists today are that let's say your child cheated on an exam, you should tell them. Did you say kill them? <laughs> don't cheat. Cheating is wrong. Do not say you're a cheater. One is saying their act is talking about their act, and they may be guilty and culpable of an yes. act. And, but that can be redeemed. Hopefully, that can be uh, made better. They can be repentant for that. But if you say you're a cheater, now it's not talking about the act that they should be guilty for. You're shaming them. You're attacking their character. And and we also believe in a culture that once a cheater, always a cheater, which. Is right. Also, right. not so now you're saying <laughs> well, now you're, you're say, actually telling that kid that they're they're a bad person. Yes, and they want you to say no. What you did was bad. You're not the bad person. And I've been I, hearing that that kind of tactic a lot in the last few years in things in general, like you know, like hate the sin, not the sinner. Well, yeah, <laughs> don't tell someone they're being a bitch. Tell them they're being bitchy because. <laughs> Yes. And I've heard one of the girls I work with, I'll hear her in conversations with her soon-to-be husband on the phone, and they'll be talking about stuff. And she'll say things sort of to that effect. Like, there's a difference between saying, I'm doing a thing, and saying, I'm I am being a thing. A thing. Yeah. And yeah, and especially for little kids, the way they take things in is way different. Because you can tell a kid, like, you're being an asshole, dude. Or you can say, you're acting like an asshole. You probably shouldn't be calling and calling. I'm sorry, you have kids. <laughs> they're fucking assholes sometimes. But I mean, I mean they're act, they act like assholes maybe, sometimes. No, they're I, not I, actually assholes. I, they act like No, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe asshole wouldn't be the best word if you're talking to a really okay, little I'm kid. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, butthole. I'm not trying to parent shame you or anything. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like for things that sound to us like, okay, that's fucking semantics. You're being right. ridiculous. It's all the for difference. The, yeah, it can make a big difference, especially in Little kids fucking weird brains. My, oh, my youngest was like that all the time. Yeah. I would get really frustrated, and he would be like, why are you mad at me? And I'd say, I'm not mad at you. I'm frustrated with the situation. Or 
this is really stupid. And he would say, so you think I'm stupid? I'm just like, no, no this situation that. is, this this situation we're in is stupid. Yeah. Like, this is a frustrating and this is a dumb situation. Yeah. And for little kids, they don't even, I think, necessarily notice the difference in that. But I mean, think about when you're an adult and someone says, you're being an asshole. You feel like they're fucking attacking you because well, they, they just called you an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, I gotta be honest, if someone said, you're acting like an asshole to me, I think I would be less upset than if they said, you're being an asshole. Like, there is... Well, one is telling There's you who you are. In it. One is telling you what kind of person you are, yeah. and one is telling you about a behavior. Yeah. And you can separate yourself from your behavior, right? You yeah. can't separate yourself from who you are. Right. So they are two very important. It's it's a huge distinction, yeah. and and you said it's semantics, but semantics can a di- yeah change anything. Well, and I've I have a friend that I've talked to about, and I'm not going to call names. She knows who she is. You know who you um, are. But I've you know. <laughs> Like, when she's talked about getting in fights with people before, and she's basically said, I don't understand why, you know, like, I'm ready to move on. We had the fight, we're done, and, like, three days later, they're still pissed. And I'm like, you have a tendency to assassinate people's characters when you have fights. But it's an easy... It's it's, a different thing. I may have done something wrong, and whether or not I feel guilty about it, if I attack your character, if I make you out to be a worse person than me, I've won. Admit nothing, deny everything, make I'm going to say, if for no other reason, then you've just, like, kind of, like, stabbed them in the core of their personhood, and they right. go off to a corner to be like, well, he was being a dick, but apparently right. I'm a piece of shit. So, and yeah, you nothing pers- else. Yeah, you're shifting the blame. Like, And you think you've won because you shut that other person yeah, down. Yeah, like, they're not fighting with me anymore. But have you really won when you've just completely yes. decimated yes, you your have. person's <laughs> I guess that depends on your definition. Well, you've ended the, the, the fight. You may have also ended the relationship. I still won. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't actually think that way, but I know people who do, and I frankly find that kind of behavior fascinating and wish I was like that. Uh, oh, I, I think it's... Because it's... I mean, it's terrifying, Ooh, but yeah. it's impressive. Yeah, if you want to be very lonely. <laughs> yeah. People are exhausting. I'm not opposed to yeah. And that's okay too. Like if you really just yeah, want don't to drive everyone company away. shame me. Maybe I want to be by <laughs> Don't solitary shame me. I like to be alone. <laughs> Go away. Well, I think that what it. I don't know that I find public shaming to be very effective. I think when parents do it to their children, it's shitty. Let's be honest. It's probably effective. I don't know if it's a. Good, good if it's effective. good. Yeah. Well, I'm, it does something. I just don't think it's anything I'm, good. Well, I'm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen photos where someone has. I've seen this a few times. Like my kid decided to try to give themselves a haircut, so I just shaved their whole head. I'm like, little kids giving themselves haircuts is not. It like yeah, you might be annoyed that they did it, but is that really like ethically or morally problematic that they looked at their hair and were like I think I want to change my hair and I'm going to save my mom taking me to get a haircut it's, no, 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 no. Trial and error no, 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 no. it's not like you what cut the is, tail off the cat you what it, cut what it, your bangs what it is is the uh, you know Allison did this she cut her hair and I yeah. saw the photo where she had this really uh, high up on her forehead straight cut scissor cut and you know the, I think the reaction of just go ahead and shave the kid's head you know, and let's shame the kid and all this. And it's because they want to avoid the fact that, wait a minute, why in the hell did you let your kids get a hold of shears? Sharp so, yes, Steve, their hair that why nice? did you, how did Allison get a hold of those scissors? Okay, first of all, I wasn't even in the country. I was on a boat, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to dad shame you now. 
Go ahead. But uh, but think about it. I mean, it's, it's taking that tact where it's like. Okay. But why are you? But why would you want to like publicly embarrass a My kid with stuff like that for just a... trimming their hair and then like cutting their hair off to such an extent that they're going to have to walk around looking like that for That's months? That's my thing. If my child did something and they fucked their hair up and their hair looks stupid, my first thought would be, "Oh my god, how do I fix this?" Yes. So that my poor child doesn't go to school looking like a fucking asshole for the next six months. It wouldn't be like, "Well, that was an asshole." Let's thing for make them it to do. worse. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> I, like. I don't, I don't understand that logic, and maybe it's because I'm super hypersensitive, and I'm immediately like, oh god! But I'm just like, I no, no. I think that's the the correct instinct yeah, here like, is oh. to, oh, my young child whose brain is still developing and is trying to figure stuff out did something relatively innocent that didn't hurt anyone and ended up doing something that they're going to be embarrassed about because yeah. now they look silly. Because I'm going to make it look worse yeah. and embarrass them even That's more. That's how being a person works. You do shit and it doesn't work and hopefully you're at an age where you've done it and you're like, oh, that didn't work. I'll remember that. Like, random, not related when my dad was a kid, he had a knot in a fishing line. And so in order to get the knot out of the fishing line, he cut the knot out and then tied the two ends of the fishing line back together. Which is crazy. Which is a knot. knot. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, like, he was five. That's how right. five-year-old's brains work. Like, well, I did this thing, and so to fix it, I'm going to do this thing. Oh, made another problem. Yes. How being like that's how brains develop. It's called trial and error. So we right. don't understand people who feel the need to shame their kid publicly for doing shit that is probably a good percentage of us f- did too. I and hopefully they did it when they were kids and not when they were adults. I did. So I have a calic in the front of my hair, and it makes. What are you hair- doing with cows, Amanda? Letting them lick my hair, <laughs> and so like. I've tried to have bangs, and it doesn't work very well because it won't lay flat. And right. so I have this one little piece of hair that always kind of sticks up. Kind of sticks up. My brother had had something similar and trimmed it, and it worked. Whatever he did was successful. What I did cut out a patch of hair in the front of my head that looked like someone had taken a small razor and just going. <laughs> and my mom's reaction was not to get mad at me. It was to laugh. But then when she stopped <laughs> laughing. Yeah. She was oh, like, why no. did, she did say, why did you do that? I hadn't hurt anyone but myself. I was already embarrassed and upset because it didn't work. The idea that her response instead would have been anger at me yeah. and then to shave my entire head and then to post pictures for hundreds of people to see, it, like that makes absolutely no sense yeah. at all. And I think that is so cruel. And I, I even, there was a woman, I'm not super close to her, but I was friends with her on Facebook and she's always oversharing and not even to the extent that like I know you do I was gonna say you're gonna say me no you? I no. know what you're gonna say but the stuff that you do is like the way that she did it was not like okay here is the stuff that I'm purging myself about myself it was always focused on other people like trying to criticize mm-hmm. others like yeah. she went through a nasty divorce and it was like a whole dramatic thing and I certainly understood her anger and her frustration because it was a really shitty situation I, you, actually, you do know who this person is. I have no but exactly. she was constantly posting stuff in the public forum. And after a while, I'm like, I, what the fuck are you doing? Like, there's one thing, like, talking about stuff, but, like, you're putting it out there. So you're putting it into such a public forum. That means that everyone knows what's going on. It's going to get back to your kids. Like, you're actually making it harder for them and yourself because you're just doing yeah. everything online for everyone to see. So I had already thought that she shared too much yeah. but 
at one point she posted something about her son doing something she didn't like. It was talking about how disappointed she is in with him and she, and she didn't know what she was going to do with him and she tries so hard as a parent but then your kids do stuff and they break your heart and posted this with her hundreds of friends and one person came back and said you know I know that you're always really open about things that happen in your life and you talk about things and I totally understand that but perhaps you should be dealing with this directly with your child instead of posting this in a public forum where everyone knows that they've done this thing and it could lead to them being publicly embarrassed because of their behavior and that you as a parent should be basically take the high road and deal with your kids behavior instead of bitching about them online and embarrassing them now if you went i mean you could argue that if she went and posted that with the goal of saying at the end my child did a my thought was b but does anyone have a c she wasn't yeah and yeah. she wasn't seeking i mean advice. And even that you could argue with maybe questionable it's still in such a yeah. public forum but i mean you could have no she was not seeking advice yeah. she was dishing the dirt on her young teen kid which if anyone else had done that about her kid she would be furious right how dare you talk about my kid like that in a public forum and her response to this person who was very rational and fair in his reply was to basically again this is like be concerned about people who are guiltless if you don't like this is how i am this is how i live my life and if you don't like it maybe you just shouldn't be friends with me so it wasn't to say, hey, maybe you make a point. It was, again, to double down on yeah. her stance and say, if you don't like it, you're the one with the problem. I'm not the asshole. And, you are. Right. And so you need to back the fuck off. How dare you respond to me like this? And other people were agreeing with him. And I'm like, all of you people are part of the problem. Like, I was really impressed that he chose to speak to her about it because he said exactly what I thought. Yeah. And most people wouldn't say it because they'd figure, A... Most people wouldn't say it because they figured that's how she'd react. And so and that's what she did. And so kudos on him for being like, yeah. Because he probably knew saying it to her was going to set her off. And he was yeah. probably just like, I'm tired of seeing and this And all shit. her little rah-rah minions jumped on board. And yeah. that's one of the things that I've complained about in certain groups that I've been in where you see people doing stuff. And I would, was like, whoa, this is ethically questionable. And I have a real problem with this because of something you're saying or doing or something you're saying or doing to, to another person in the group. Yeah. But I know that you have so many fans that if I come in here even calmly and rationally and point out the fact that you're being an asshole, you're, you're not going to be the asshole. Right. You're not going to say the person that I wanted to approach would never have been like, you know what? You made a good point. I should apologize or maybe I should do things differently. They would have doubled down on what they did, and everybody else would have fucking turned on me, too. So at that point, I was like, any chance I have to have authentic, honest interactions with these people is out the window. Because every time I saw anybody even hint at countering that person, they were ganged up on and shot down. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to be a part of this group mentality. I'm not going to support things that I consider to be questionable and wrong Uh, and a fear speaking out because I'm going to be crucified yeah. and I'm done. And because there are those types of people, especially when they have a big following or a big support group, will not see the error in their ways. They will yeah. double down on it and they will believe that they are guiltless and shameless. Yeah, no they don't think they're either. That anonymity of the internet to help too. So. 
Yeah, although in those situations, like, people did know each yeah, other. Yeah, it's not yeah. true, but, you know. But it's certainly in other circumstances, absolutely. Yeah. You can have people who can post, like, comments and things like that, and they can say whatever they want. Yeah. And no one knows who they are. I went into it thinking that shame might serve a, a purpose. Seeing the distinctions between guilt and shame and some of the arguments, I think shame is probably not an effective tool. It's not something we should seek to use to correct behavior. I don't think it. I don't. I don't. Think, I don't think it works. I don't think healthy shame is. Good. No. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think it's a there thing. is such thing as constructive shame or yeah. helpful shame. Not at all. Uh, what do you think, Steve? I think it's very powerful, but powerful isn't always good, though. In the military, we have this wonderful thing under the UCMJ Article 15, non-judicial punishment. So if you have somebody who isn't toeing the line, doing their fair share, or they get caught doing something that is frowned upon, but you don't feel, or the commanding officer doesn't feel warrants taking them to a criminal trial. So like actual punishment. Uh, official well, punishment. Legal punishment. Uh, through official legal channels. Okay. Because that has um, tremendous... Punishment penalty factors. Right. Um, the commanding officer at their discretion, basically, uh, now the different services have different names for it. Some uh, One service calls it office hours. Um, there's other names, but in, in the Navy, it's referred to as captain's mast, which harkens back to whenever there was a meeting on ship that needed everybody around it, the only open space was on deck around one of the main masts. Or, and so it became captain's mast, which was typically held before chaplain's mast. Mast was actually referred to any meeting. Okay. And but captain's mast was always held before chaplain's mast on Sunday. And it any information he wanted to put out, if there was anybody who was had been working really hard and he wanted to merit uh, and say anything good about, but if someone had been caught stealing from another shipmate or had been derelict in their duties or anything like this, late for watch or what have you, there in front of all the rest of the crew would be read char- read the charges against them and be accused of whatever they had done wrong, given the chance to speak for himself. And then, depending upon the severity of the issue, would be allowed to offer a defense of why he did or didn't do whatever. And then the captain would impose the punishment. But once the punishment, like, okay, you did something wrong, we want to the guilt, but it was always done publicly. So, so there was the shaming the group of the crew. So there was the shaming well. aspect to it. Court of public opinion. Now that carried. Now that that's sailing days back long before the UCMJ existed. So it's still the UCMJ allows for non-judicial punishment, and. Is this like the Full Metal Jacket thing where they beat that guy with the bar of soap? I'm so glad you were thinking that because down? I was going to say like, does this involve? No, bar I don't have soap in no, a bag. It, it, uh, I don't want to bring up too many crazy movies, but that's when people, <laughs> that, that's when people take punishment in and onto themselves to dispense justice. Did or that you guys think. give someone a bath who wasn't washing themselves? Didn't you tell me that story? Oh, their room stank, and he got a yeah. They gave him a shower. Yeah, you know. Is that the same kind of thing though? Yeah, you're, you're not. It's it's very much discouraged taking matters into your own hand. And again, if you complain about a person long enough and nothing happens, it's like, Jesus, dude, you stink. No, actually, um, my other two of my other roommates pushed him into his locker and closed the door and left him inside the locker with his own stink. Now he was for how long? Um, well, I don't remember how long it was. It was a good ten minutes, maybe. Oh, so we're not talking like three hours. Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) like a day. (laughs) But it stopped because uh, the the somebody else came along and was like. 
And what's anyway, that smell coming from that locker? And it was like, what are you guys doing? What What's going on? Why is he banging on the door? Why is he in there? And you, you realize how wrong this is. Blah, 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 blah. And then he opened the door. And he got the smell. And he got the smell. <laughs> at which point, he just looked at the guy and said, you, down in my office now, you guys, that was really shitty. And and he turned and left the room. But, I mean, and it was like before he left, he looked at the locker and inhaled and took, he's like, ugh. And he but, turned, he walked. But it's not like they took this guy and they yeah. invited everyone in to, and not, made him shower in not, front of everybody. That is not <laughs> non-judicial punishment. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. That is when a commanding officer, when someone commits a crime and it's reporting up to the captain, the captain or the commanding officer has the authority to dispense ju- discipline there. Okay. At his level, which there, in accordance with the UCMJ, there are limits to how much penalty can be imposed, like forfeiture of half pay for two months. Or extra duty for so many hours for so many weeks. Or so not like a public flogging. Reduction in pay like grade. I mean, it's when it's pretty severe, you can be reduced in pay grade. Okay. And but there are also when the, the commanding officer always talks to the JAG to determine. By the way, this happened. I'm about to impose it. You know, what are the standards I'm expected to follow? Because if he goes crazy, that that could be thrown out. So he always has to make sure that. But he it doesn't involve the public element of well, it anymore. Now, that's not necessarily true. Okay. It's not supposed to. The commanding officer, if they choose to, can have an open mast where, on a large area, hangar deck, he could call the whole command together and do that out front. I was present for an open mast. Now, this is a few years ago. I don't know how modern that's practiced. But the, the charges were read, and the results of the XOI, the executive officer's investigation into the charges, to check out everything, and it was done in front of the group, and the whole, but the, when they choose to do an open mast, it's because they want that person to stand in front of all their peers mm-hmm. and, and everyone around them and to hear all the facts. And, you know, this is what you did. This is why you're going to get this punishment. And remember, I said, this is not the official legal channels. They're not, right, but they're not, they're not looking to send them off right, to jail. I get that, they want there's to still cap- a public they, shaming the, element A public shaming it. element. They want to capture that person's attention to say, you need to stop. You need to readjust your behavior. But they're still doing it in front of everybody else yes. instead and of there, having there a private conversation. Component. Now, more, more often than not nowadays, and this is why some branches call it office hours, the X, XOI, XO will do his investigation. The results are forwarded to the skipper. And MAST is just with the skipper, the XO, and the command senior enlisted okay. advisor, command master chief, in the skipper's office. But on the following plan of the day, plan of the week, one of the comments at the bottom will say, Petty Officer Second Class went to Captain's Mass on these charges and was fined this and this and so this and this. So you still know it happened. So it's still going to be a public here's The problem is, and within a command, I mean, some commands, mm-hmm. like an aircraft carrier, can be two, three, four, five thousand people. But most commands are a couple hundred. Everybody knows exactly who it is. So that person can't walk down. So those won't say the name, but they'll. But yeah, everybody and, knows who it is. And, 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 and in this command, they're usually small enough groups. Yeah, you can't hide it. You yeah. know who it is. So that person still feels some shame because it was put out what they did to make sure that everybody it's, knows. It's in what you call in the gossip world a blind item. People still figure it out. I've never heard that term. It's but. What's very different about this in the private sector is that they go to great lengths to keep discipline private. How, how well does it work, though? In a school my size, 
not well. But in larger organizations, I imagine that there's probably a certain amount, I don't know, like maybe within the individual groups within offices, you'd hear about it. Because you have things like HR who has to get involved and it's it's very rarely ever one-on-one, right? You usually have like... A, a few people in management who are sitting down with the employee who's in trouble. If you have the privilege to be a part of the union, then you also union have an rep. HR rep who's there, a union and a yep. union rep to make sure that you also, as the employee, are being protected. Uh, I don't have that where I work. We're not unionized, and I have no protection. Right no. To work. There are teachers, that's a different issue. Unions and right to work are two separate things. So, like, even though Ohio exactly. is a right to work state, the teachers at Wright State are unionized. The teachers at my school are not unionized, which means I don't have a union rep making sure that they have to go through certain steps to discipline me in proper ways and make sure that they go through proper channels. I have no rights whatsoever as far as those are concerned. And I'm union, so I have... She's got... She's harder to fire than I am. They can fire me for whatever reason they want. We've also had (laughs) issues where... I'm not going to... Actually, I'm not going to say that on the... Well, let's face it. We could get... There's there's pluses and minuses. My dad used to work in the, for the county, basically in the same system that you did. Yeah. And, and sometimes it can be frustrating because yeah. people can be protected even when they don't deserve to be. But that's a completely separate issue whatsoever. Right. But in my experience, typically if someone has screwed up, they try to keep it as private as possible. So if there are disciplinary meetings that take place, they're just between certain people. And it's not, and they're actually, you're not supposed to talk about it. Like you're supposed to keep it private to protect everyone involved. You're not supposed to go blathering around about what happened to who. It's supposed to be private. And, there is not supposed to be public shaming. And, and most of the supervisory training. And usually I there have. isn't. It's a quiet whisper. <laughs> yeah. Because it gets out one way or the other, and everyone knows, but no one says anything. I don't know what you mean. I don't know anything that happens. Supervisory skills and leadership training I ever went through always said that if you want to um, celebrate someone's merit, you do that publicly. If you want to discipline, you do it privately. If you have a critique, you always you go into an office, you say, "This is a problem with your performance." Uh, I'd like to see this improve and all this. And because if you do that publicly, like that. rather than alerting them to what they could do to make themselves look better, if you do it publicly, you would in fact be shaming them to where they may decide, no, f- screw you. And it may not be helpful at all because it becomes counterproductive. Well, depending on the organization you're in, if there's any chance that that person's going to move up anywhere, if you do that publicly, you're also leaving that person anyone who could ever be under them or in a working capacity next to them has no faith or has automatic questions about that person because they heard, these, they heard things about this person before. So regardless of whether or not that person is capable or whether or not they learned a lesson, they already have a lack of faith in from coworkers and yeah. their underlings. So I understand. Yeah, it makes a big deal. Sometimes it can feel like it's uh, secretive because the the big wigs yeah. are just trying to protect themselves so that they can, you know, be shitty to someone and and t- then tell them not to talk about it. But there's also but there's a, a need to protect the employee yeah. as well because I mean you can fuck up 
and get in trouble for it. And but that doesn't mean you're bad at your job. It just means you made a mistake. And we all make mistakes. So and I think people like I know at my job, I think people automatically assume that when things aren't being talked about, it's because people are trying to hide things. And unfortunately, there are times where that is very much the oh, case. We, we have, yes. but I think there's a lot of it where like maybe there's a reason this is being kept quiet. And honestly. Maybe it doesn't actually involve anyone but the four people that were in the room. And so maybe it's none of our business. But yeah. we had a situation where someone was dismissed with no explanation. They never actually, when people leave, there's never really any explanation of it. And again, I understand the need people for that. People were complaining about that with our job a while yeah. ago. And I, I, I understand the need for it, to be honest. I really do, to protect everybody. But at the same time, when we had someone where we thought everything was okay and then they were gone, like the, of course we started going... Oh my God, the timing of it was really unusual. Like, do you think something bad happened? Do you think they did this or did that? Yeah. So we started well, casting aspersions on this person's character because well, it was so heard, unusual. If you've never heard anything negative about this right. person and all your interactions and then with all them of a sudden they're are gone. And above board and then bam, they're gone. And well, you and then make, you wonder if they got thinking, in trouble for something that wasn't bad and you're like, am I doing the thing that they well, got? Yeah, that's it. It's, it's kind of like, well, yeah. wait a minute, then I, how, wait a minute. I, I could be gone I, maybe, tomorrow for no reason. Yeah. I thought they were doing a good job. I think I do a good job. If they're gone yesterday, right. maybe I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Right. Am I doing a good job? Or So it, it, it either goes into what the fuck did they do that they're not telling us or could I be next? Yeah. So both, I understand the need for secrecy and I understand the, the, the desire to not make that kind of thing public, to not shame people, especially when you got to work with them. And like yeah. you said, they have to maintain a certain level of respect and, and reliability and you have to have trust in them in order to allow the group to function. Yeah. On the other hand, not knowing what's going on can sometimes be worse because then people start, if they don't have the info, they will start creating it. They won't make it up. That's a whole other tricky thing too as well in terms of privacy in the workplace and right. how do you discipline and ugh. but at the end of the day I think that it's important to remember that you know maybe shaming isn't the best thing to do because or maybe it is and it's because it fucking works sorry yeah I just want to <laughs> yell <laughs> well the, the trick the trick is it's one thing we pretty much all everybody uh, every expert every paper I read talked about you know understanding guilt and that it's an act and it usually can be dealt with through remediation or or uh, rehab rehab. that you can you can get over that but there's usually even even crime that is imposed you know there's a period of a sentence you know we impose this for somebody after that you know there needs to be the possibility of redemption but with the way our system is there isn't because they you can access people's fucking mug shots online and you everybody knows what you've done so even if you've served your time you are still stamped with that right. mark of being a criminal that's going to follow you around i'm not so much talking about the, the high crimes and misdemeanors well not the high crimes but the felons the, more more of the social and like how you deal with your kids and how you deal with your friends and social media yeah. the, the thing the problem is is when people take it to the shame level and it's about attacking the person's character. Yeah, that can be debilitating, and it can cause them to come back worse. But that's. But I'm arguing that that's part of what's wrong with our criminal system is that we don't believe in rehabilitation. We believe in punishment, yeah. and we once you have committed that crime, you are stamped as a criminal. So it's not like you committed a criminal. You are a person who committed a criminal act. No, you, you are, are a criminal. criminal. Yeah. And we could actually do, I think, an entire episode on crime and punishment. Right. 
privatized Two prisons part. and oh yeah, I, I could say we could do an entire season yes <laughs> because you know uh institutionalized racism and and yeah. how judges get to just kind of do whatever the fuck they want and that's all very frustrating and confusing but even that and back to what you were saying about judges using public shaming to deal with stuff on one hand, I've seen stuff and I've been like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But then the more I thought about it, like, I don't yeah. know if that's going to have the intended effect. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's not a competition. We are We're all, all fucked up. up. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we are not scientists, medical professionals, or mental health experts. We are simply two people interested in discussing a topic that affects everyone, either directly or indirectly. We are not expressing expert opinions, and anything we say should not replace medical advice or treatment. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or someone else, please seek the help of a mental health or medical professional. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also chat with them online. Take care. My Asshole Brain was written and hosted by Amanda Green and Stephanie Coons. Artwork by Doug Tolls, produced by Stephen Beasley, and presented by Greasley Enterprises. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.